I'd like to thank Sam for bringing that message again to our hearts. And the challenge is, do you know the Christ of heaven? And are you washed in the precious blood of the Lamb? Because that's the most important thing for your soul. Um, where will you spend eternity? We're very glad uh, to have our brother Kyle. He's no stranger here, one of our members, a leader of our children's work. And we're glad that he's consented to come and to bring his testimony. He's given his testimony um, all around the country. And uh, I remember um, giving this testimony probably when there's a young people's fellowship. Uh, but um, I suppose that's a while ago. So we were glad that our brother was able to come tonight and bring a word of testimony. And we're going to ask him to come at this stage and speak to us, please. Thank you, Mr. Liam, for the words of welcome. And yes, it's, it's good to be here uh, in my home congregation uh, to testify. And actually, uh, I have testified quite a lot around the country. And I'm so thankful to God for those opportunities to tell of what the Lord has done for me. But it is doubly hard when, when it's your home congregation because people actually know you. And they know if you're actually telling the truth or not. So uh, please bear with me tonight as we... Um, look at what the Lord has done with me. But if you just would turn with me, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, please, please turn with me. First of all, to Psalm 139, please. Psalm 139, and we're going to read a few verses there from the, uh, from, uh, the Scriptures tonight. Um, there's a particular verse in this uh, chapter which is dear to my heart and which really explains um, me as a person and uh, my uh, being. Um, but we'll start in Psalm 139, and we'll just say there, uh, start there in the verse 1, and it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me, thou hast knowest my downsitting and mine uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off, thou compass my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and led thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I descend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall my, thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be the light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike. To thee, for thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully me, and marvellous are their works, that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid, uh, was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them. And it's that verse, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, uh, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well that I want to ponder this evening. And just one more verse in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, <coughs> and the verse 28. And it says there in God's word, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time. Without sin, unto salvation. Are you looking for the Lord tonight? Have you found him? 
That's why so many people in our world have, are full of fear and anxiety because they don't know where they came from, they don't know how to live, and they don't know where they're going. But the Bible tells you all of these things. He tells you where you're made, how you're made, why you were made. He tells you how to live, to have a blessed life, and to have a full life. And he tells you where you're going when you die, and how that you need to be prepared to die. That verse on uh, the wall there, I could tell you that there's 19 letters uh, there, and there's 20 if you include the verse, because I've come to this church since I was born. And I've looked at that verse every Sunday. And that verse is a special verse, prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared to meet God tonight? I pray that you will listen to my testimony and hopefully you will find the joy of salvation. I was born on the 15th of March, 1985, and that might seem a very strange way to start a, a, a testimony, but it's not because I'm looking for a present, but my birthday's just passed. But if you want to give me one after, I'll still take it gladly. But I was born on the 15th of March, and really that was the wrong time to be born for me. I was supposed to be born sometime in May, and I was uh, 10 weeks premature. That meant that I really just wasn't fully developed. I had all my faculties. I had my hands and my arms and my legs, uh, but my body was just not fully developed. I was very, very small and very, very sick. My mother says that they weren't really expecting me to, be, to, to come so early, and when I did come, they had to fashion a sort of incubator out of things, which really wouldn't happen nowadays, but it did because this was 1985. Obviously, because of my uh, rapid uh, birth and, and delivery, I was very sick. One of my lungs failed. I couldn't breathe on my own, and I really was teetering between life and death. Obviously, I didn't know that at the time, but that's the reality of where we were. My mother tells me many times of my brother, my elder, Sidney Morrison, came uh, to see me. He worked in the hospital, and he had told the people he brought the news back that uh, one Sunday that I was desperately ill and that people needed to pray for me. And I thank God's people here for praying for me because without God's prayers, I probably wouldn't be here to this day. But you see, God knows all things. God is a God who understands all things. He brings everything to pass in his way because he is a God of providence. Obviously, I had many, many difficulties, and eventually I was able to go to hospital, and I was really, really small. Um, my father says that he used to carry me in the palm of his hand. My head would be at the tip of his finger, and my legs would just be at his wrist, and I, I was just very, very small and very petite. And you look at me now, and you sort of think, where did it all go wrong? But here we are. Um, but eventually I was able to come out of hospital and I was able to go home with my family and obviously I needed special care and whatnot. But my mother and father were very uh, important to me. They were very chosen of God. They were chosen of God. They were very young. My father was only 27. My mom was 24. They were very young to be dealing with this situation. Eventually, um, as I started to go stronger and as the months grew by in that first year, my mother realized that I wasn't hitting my milestones, as they would call it now. Um, I wasn't hitting the things that I should have been doing when I was doing them. And one of the things was I couldn't sit up. She would prop me up, I would fall down, and she would prop me up and I would fall down. And she realized that there was something wrong here, that uh, I just wasn't doing the things that I should have been doing. 
And they went back to the hospital, and the doctors told them, yes, we'll do some tests on your son, and we'll see if there's uh, anything wrong or anything that we could maybe see. And obviously, because of my birth and because of um, being um, with my lungs and whatnot, there, there could have been some issue. So they, sent my, they did some tests, and they sent my parents away. But one thing that I just uh, neglected to say was, obviously, during that time of when I was in the hospital, uh, I was very sick, and one time they called for my father um, to come because I wasn't very well. And my father told me not that long ago that he prayed to the Lord that uh, the Lord would take something away from him. I was worried this would happen tonight. He, he, he asked God to take something away from him. As a father, I would do the same. Dad asked the Lord to take away something from him, one of his limbs, one of his arms, that I would live. And my father worked in the security forces in Northern Ireland in the 1980s. That would have been very easy for the Lord to do. My father lost friends, colleagues, who lost their limbs and their arms and their lives because of their security of their country. And that would have been very easy for the Lord to do for my father. He could have took it away in an instant. But that was not the Lord's plan. The Lord had a different plan. And after they did the, the results to my, for my parents, uh, they... He said that they would come back and hear the results. <clears throat> my grandmother, who's in glory now, my granny Boyd, she was a mighty woman. If you, if you went to her house, and it wouldn't matter where you were, if you were the lemonade man or the carpet fitter, within three minutes she knew, she knew if you were saved or not. And within another three minutes, the man knew whether how to get saved and whether he needed to be saved or not. And he was, he was told. Uh, and we used to sit in the house and just wait. I wonder how long she'll take her the day. Five minutes. Five minutes a day. And she cracked it in two minutes. You know, she was straight in and asked them whether they saved or not. But she was on the bus to work, which is mighty, and she was doing her Bible readings on the bus to work. And the Bible reading that day was this. And if you bear with me, I'm just going to read it to us now. And it says this. A meeting was held quite far from earth. It's time again for another birth. Said the angels to the Lord above, this special child will need much love. He may not run or laugh or play, his thoughts may seem quite far away. In many ways, he won't adapt, and he'll be known as handicapped. So let's be careful where he's sent. We want his life to be content. Please, Lord, find the parents who will do a special job for you. They will not realize right away the leading role they're asked to play. But with this child sent from above comes stronger faith and richer love. And soon they'll know the privilege given in caring for their gift from heaven. Their precious charge, so meek and mild, is heaven's very special child. And if you read in that verse, it says, and he'll be known as handicapped. 
And my grandmother got off the bus in Ballygarn and walked to my parents' house and said, your son's going to be disabled or he's going to have some sort of condition. And the next day, my parents went to the hospital and they told my parents that I have cerebral palsy. And whether it was during the birth or whether it was during my time in intensive care, I was starved of oxygen. And I was effectively left with a stroke and that I was going to have this condition. And they were young. They were 27 and 24. But my parents were saved and they committed their, their way unto the Lord and they took it to the Lord. And your parents are special, you know, because the Lord tells us in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. He wouldn't put it in there if it wasn't serious. Your parents are always chosen of the Lord and we should thank our Lord for our parents, even though through difficulties and times of uncertainty, we're thankful for our parents and what they've done for us. Eventually, once they knew what my condition was, they knew that they'd be able to help me in some way. And whenever I was uh, three and four years old, um, and again when I was eight, I had major surgery um, on my legs, um, and the consultant who uh, was working on my uh, operations at that time was a believer, and basically what they used to do was take my muscles and stretch them a bit, because uh, I used to walk on my tiptoes, and now I walk sort of flat-footed, but as I get older, it's sort of creeping back up again, but we're just trying to really keep it down, but it just means that I can walk a little. I'm never going to run 100 metres, um, and I'm never going to walk on the church walk that Stephen always wants me to go on, and it's too far. Take your wheelchair, and I may get stuck, and it's all a bit of a disaster, but, you know, we still go, and we still eat the food at the end of the walk, which is the bit I like. Uh, but I'm never going to walk uh, all that far, but I can do enough. The Lord has given me enough to get around. Uh, my life was an endless sort of cycle of school, um, hospital appointments, physiotherapy, and that's how it went on. And, you know, the Lord's hand was upon me in those days. It says in Second Samuel 22 and 33, God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. Like I said, I have attended this church since I was born, and my parents were very much, you know, uh, Kyle's got cerebral palsy, but that doesn't matter. He's going to go to everything that everybody else is uh, going to go to. And I often tell the story, there was a lady who came to come to her church, and one day I walked in, up, uh, coming up this aisle, and I just fell over. And she thought, well, I really need to help him. And somebody else says, oh, no, no, you just have to let him lie there, because he has to just do it himself. The parents are funny about that. Don't touch him. And I was lying there, and then you just got up, and you went on into the pew. And my dad's argument was, well, I'm not going to be here forever, and you're going to have to do it yourself. So my parents were very much, I just do everything that everybody else did. And, of course, I went to Sunday school, and my first Sunday school is Gwen Jackson, and she's at the back, and she took me into this little room here with a grip. I remember it, and then it was Joanne Cranston, and then it was uh, uh, Paul Jackson, and his yellow, canary yellow beetle, which I loved. And his raincoat, he looked like Inspector Gadget. Um, but he taught us just here, in this place. Then there was Ruth Stevens. Uh, and then there was Maureen took us. And then our brother Glenn took me on Bible class for 10 years. And what a 10 years they were. And he really got us into the scriptures. We really knew what we were getting in for. And he gave me, and all the teachers, gave me a solid foundation in what the Bible means and how to use the Bible. You see, Sunday school teachers and children's workers are important. And of course, my father was involved in the children's work, so I was sent along to children's meeting 
just like everybody else. And there we learned about the Scriptures. And there we learned about the Gospel. Because you see, the Gospel is the most important thing. Whatever I tell you tonight, it may be a story, it may be a funny story, but keep your eyes fixed on the Gospel. Because that's the most important thing. Because you see, whenever I was younger, whenever I started going to those meetings, I realized that there was a heaven to gain and there was a hell to shun. And hell was a place where you didn't want to go to. And this was just childlike understanding. Hell was a place that was filled with damnation and fire. And there was a lake of fire and that's where the devil was. But that's not where God was. You see, to get to God... I needed to come through his son, Jesus Christ. Because you see, I was born in sin and shape and in iniquity. And, you know, I was in my sin. If I had stayed in my sin, I would be in hell. That's what the Bible says. People don't like to talk about this now in our 2023 lives. But that's what the Bible says. And at the age of four years old, I began to understand this a little. And I got a, a book, for a Sunday school prize, about a little book about a boy called Johnny. And one time Johnny was going to church, but Johnny wasn't saved. He wasn't a Christian. And Johnny was going to Sunday school and then going to church. And after the meeting, he said, John, uh, his mum said, Johnny, we're going to Mr. Martin's house for dinner. You can, come, you can go in Mr. Martin's car. And Johnny thought this was great. And Johnny went, from, at the end of the meeting, Johnny went from the front of the church to the back of the church to find Mr. Martin. But everybody had left, and Johnny was lost. And you see, if you're not saved tonight, if you're not a Christian, you are lost. That's what the, Jesus Christ said when he came out. I come to seek and to save those who are lost. You are lost in your sin, and that means you can never be with Christ. You can never be with God. You can never be in heaven. That is what the Bible says. And that was me at the age of four. And you might say, oh no, but your children, you're very young. God wouldn't judge you. God judges everybody. And there's one sure thing. Everybody here tonight, you will meet God one day. And you will have an account to give. And I realized that I had an account to give. If I wasn't saved, I was lost. And whenever I give my account to God and I hadn't given my life to him, I'd be cast out. Cast out. And it wouldn't matter about anything about me, I would be lost. And that used to frighten me so much. And I used to lie in bed at night and think, I am lost. My parents are saved, but it doesn't matter. It's on me. It's on me. And I am lost. And if I meet God's judgment... Now I am lost. And I realized that at the age of four years old. And I cried unto the Lord and asked him to save me at four. And you may think that's very young. I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew exactly what I was doing. Because I realized, as it says in Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means the short means you never measure up. You can never get to God. You're always going to come up short. And I knew that I needed to give my life to God because it says in Acts 16 and 31 believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and I trusted in Jesus Christ at the age of four at my bedside with my father and I gave my life to God and he saved me and it was a wonderful it wasn't any bright lights or anything changed but I knew inside that I was saved because you see the Bible says you become a new creature you become something different 
You see, people don't get saved nowadays because they have to give up their old life. Well, I have to give up this, I have to give up that. But you see, once you're saved, your old life doesn't matter. God works it all out. He'll, he'll make you a new creature. You're like a new human. You're new because you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the age of four, I did that. And you know, I can say faithfully that the Lord has kept me all through, the, down through these years. I have let him down many times. Daily, weekly, every year. But the Lord is one that sticketh closer than a brother. And he has kept me and, and helped me. Because it's not easy to have cerebral palsy. Everybody, you're very funny. You can really, you know, joke your way through it. But the jokes only go so far sometimes. And sometimes you just have to live with it. And that's hard. But the Lord gives us the grace to do it. When I was old enough, then I started to attend primary school. And uh, obviously being a Christian in primary school is relatively easy. Uh, I'm a Christian. Cool. Do you want to play chases? Yeah. And, and that's pretty much the level of uh, you know, questioning that you get at primary school. But at, 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 uh, at high school, it's a different matter. And I started to attend St. Bernard High School um, whenever I was 11. And the one thing that I didn't do then was I didn't set my stall out for God. I never told anybody I was a Christian. Just sort of meandered through. Went to Scripture Union, did all the things, but just didn't outrightly tell people that I was saved. And that was difficult because you just came up against buyers all the time and you're trying to talk your way out of it. And it was around that time probably that I began to become a little bit disheartened. I wouldn't say that I backslid in any way, but I just find it difficult to live with this condition. And I said to God, you know, what's it all about? You know, why have you made me this way? And it was that verse in Psalm 139, verse 14, and it says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made me the way I am because God ordained that. And who am I to argue with God? Because God made the world and he spoke it into existence. He just said it and he made the world and he said, and it was good. So who am I to say to him, you're wrong? Who am I? Because it's God's will that he did this. And I got that verse and I realized that I was made for a reason. But it wasn't until a long time after that that I really began, I said to the Lord, but what, I understand that, but, but what do you want me to do, Lord? How do you want me to be? And he gave me that verse in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I would rather glory in my infirmities and be with God than be able-bodied and be a sinner. Because you see, I have a hope. Because when I die, I will go to heaven. And I will eventually have a glorified body. Now, not to get into the deep theology of it all, okay, but I'll have a glorified body, and my body will be new, and I'll not have cerebral palsy anymore. But more importantly, I'll be with God. And heaven is a wonderful place. The streets are filled with gold. There is no night there. There is no darkness there. There is no hunger there. But it is where God is for eternity. Are you going to heaven? Are you saved? Are you ready to go? That is the question I leave with you tonight. Obviously, after school, uh, I decided to try and understand what I wanted to do with my life. 
And, you know, all my friends at the time, they were going to do uh, trades. And I knew that that was one thing I wasn't going to do because I'd be a health and safety nightmare. Um, and uh, I studied at school and got enough GCSEs to, to, to attend college. And I applied to go to Lisburn College there. And I, had, I sent all my paperwork off and nothing came back. And weeks went on over the summer and nothing came back. And um, my father said, you know, is there a problem? And he said, do you want to go down to the college? And I said, let's go down. And we went down sometime in August, and we met a very nice lady. And, but I just got a very distinct bad feeling about it when we walked in. There was just something just didn't feel right. Young people today would say the vibe wasn't right. Um, and there just was, there was something different. And I, I just felt very uncomfortable. And we went out, and Dad said to me, how do you feel? He goes, I don't know, Dad. It's just, I just, it's not what I thought it was going to be or something. Just there was something off. And he said, well, can you do the course anywhere else? And I said, well, you can do it in Down Patrick, but I don't really want to go there. Now, I have nothing against Down Patrick, but you have to understand, my father worked there, and he was a policeman. And that's, that's difficult, you know? That's difficult. And that was the reason why I didn't want to go. But he said, let's go over to Down Patrick. We went over. We met a very nice man. I showed him my results. And he said, brilliant, you start Monday. And that was it. Monday morning, I'm standing in Dan Patrick thinking I was being in Lisburn, but I wasn't. And there we are. And it was there at that time that I met our brother, Bob McConnell. And at that time, I realized that I needed to really commit my way to the Lord. I needed to say, God, you know, tell people that I'm a Christian. Just, just set your stall out. And I remember us meeting in the first week and what we, you know, you're all right, you're all right, yeah, you're, you're getting to know people. And then we, what were you doing at the weekend? Well, you know, stuff. And then I went to church. Oh, really? What church do you go to? Oh, I go to Cross Guard Free. Oh, I go to Drummond Gospel Hall. Just like that, I met a Christian. And me and Bob had a great time. Uh, there's many stories I could tell you that we probably shouldn't tell you, but we had a great time in college, and we were able to keep each other company, and we were able to keep each other uh, close, and we weren't able to get into bad crowds and to keep each other uh, And we came here and got involved in the youth fellowship and started to go on the youth weekends and all of that. But around that time as well, I started to think about learning to drive. Uh, and if anybody knows me, they'll know that I'm a bit of a car fan. Um, can't help it, sorry. Um, and I realized that obviously, uh, because of my condition, I was going to have to be, do things a little bit differently. Uh, and they said to me, Kyle, you're going to have to do the normal test, but you're also going to have to do like, the other, another test just to make sure that you're safe in the car. And Dad was like, how do you feel about that? And I was like, Dad, it's going to be fine because I'm basically the Michael Schumacher of drivers. You know, 16-year-old, think you know everything, you know nothing, right? And that was me, and we went to do the test, and it went really badly. And the man turned around to me and he says, Kyle, you're going to be able to drive a car, but you're going to have to drive a car that's an automatic, which basically is a car that just changes gears itself. And I remember coming home in the car and just crying and saying to Dad, why does it always have to be different for me? Why am I always the one that has to be different? But nowadays, everybody drives an automatic, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so we have nothing to worry about. But just at that time, it was hard for me to understand. Eventually, then, I was able to pass my A-levels, and I went to Ulster University. And I really haven't left, to be honest, which you'll hear about in a minute. But uh, around that time again, in 2003, I started my degree. And I said to the Lord again, please, Lord, just help me to take my stand. And for any young people here tonight, if you're starting something new, like a new job or a new course at university or somewhere, it's really important just to be like, just put it out there to people. You know, try and meet something and just say you're a Christian. It's the hardest thing to do, but it will make your life easier because people will know 
where you come from and, and what your uh, beliefs are. And that first week I was looking for somebody to try and be friendly with. And, and the first week I met a, a, a fellow called Raymond. Um, and the first thing he said to me was, I'm going to knock you out. And I thought, right, um, okay. Uh, because I think I had made some probably silly joke about something, obviously. And he maybe had taken offense or he was just winding me up. And I says, whereabouts are you from? And he says, I'm from the Rathcool estate. And I thought, this guy's going to try and take my wheelchair. He's, he's really going to try and do you want me? And I says, maybe he's just somebody that I should avoid. Uh, and that was okay. About a few days later, we were working in the labs in the university. I was working away, and I looked over the screen, Belfast City Mission. And I thought, that's a bit strange. So I went over to him, and I says, what are you working on? Oh, I was just doing a wee presentation for my, for my youth fellowship, because I actually go to wee Belfast City Mission in the Rathcoe, because I could see it two years ago. I'm a Christian. Blew me out of the water. He looked like he was from JD Sports. Just like the stereotype of Belfast boy. Just a Belfast boy. But he was saved. And he had got saved. And him and me got really friendly. And we're still friendly. And we work together to this day. And, but it taught me something. It taught me not to look at somebody. Because God always says, he looks at the heart. Not at how people look. And that was a real lesson for me, not to think about how people look, because they could be believers, or they could be going through a difficult time. And eventually, I was able to go through, um, uh, finish a degree, and then I was able to do a master's at Ulster University, and those were hard days, hard studying days. But the Lord gave us the grace, because he says in Isaiah 40 and 31, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. In other words, with the Lord's help, I could run. And that was really hard. Those were hard days. But the Lord gave us the grace. He gave us the help. Because people say to me, oh, you must really like studying. And I didn't really. But I knew that with my condition, I was going to have to put in a bit of groundwork to get a job. Eventually, I was able to finish my master's. And I decided that I would do a PhD. Because, you know, when you've done the other two, you might as well get the whole set. Um, and I applied to do it. I was working in the university as a researcher at the time, and I applied to do it. And I remember being at a meeting um, at Randallstown Congregation, and there was a man preaching there, and he, he was talking about Peter, and how that Peter, you know, stepped off the boat. How that Peter always stepped off the boat when he went to walk on the water with the Lord. And everybody always gives Peter a bit of a hard rap, because they always focus on him taking his eyes off the Lord, and then him sinking, and the Lord saving him. But the, the point that the preacher was making was Peter was the only one that actually stepped off the boat in faith. And it was a lesson for me because I had been toying with the idea to do this or not. And I was like, Lord, you know, do you want me to do it? I don't know if I should do it. Please open this door for me. But also close this door for me if it's not right for me, Lord. And I learned in my life's experience just to commit the way unto the Lord in all things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things should be added unto you. I just trusted in God for these things. With my condition, I have to, because sometimes I don't know if this is the right thing for me to do or not, and I have to leave it with the Lord. But lo and behold, we did the application process, and we sent it off, we got an interview, and we got word back to say that I hadn't been successful, and I said, Lord, that's okay, that wasn't for me, the door is closed. A couple of days later, I was in the university, and my manager came to look for me, and he said, where were you? And I think it was getting a coffee or something, uh, as you do, because that's what you do in university, you talk a lot you teach a little, and you drink a lot of coffee. Um, and I was drinking coffee, and he said, oh, I have good news for you. 
you were in the top uh, four and there was three spaces and the first person's dropped out, so you, you're in now to do your PhD and you just start Monday. Everything in my life started on a Monday, like on a Friday. Like life-changing things always happened over the weekend. And I just said to the Lord, you've just opened that door. You actually closed it totally and you just opened it again all by yourself. Nothing I had done. So I knew that it was right. And that was hard. Those were hard, three hard years. But the Lord blessed us. He allowed us to complete that. And now I work at Ulster University as a lecturer. Um, some days there's more coffee drinking than lecturing, but here we are. Um, but the Lord has given us a job. And it's hard to take your stand in the university. Uh, it's, it's, it's not for God. But we try our best, and the Lord has enabled me to have a job to provide for my family. Because obviously whenever I was in my mid-twenties, I began to think about getting married. And would I ever get married? And obviously I have a lot of baggage and whatnot, and who would want to marry me, and all these things, and how would that work? And, you know, and I just, again, committed my way unto the Lord. And I said, Lord, I just want you to, if there's someone for me, you just open that door, and if there's not, you just close that door. And I met uh, a young lady called Emma, and she was from Ballymena, from North Antrim, and she went to the Gospel Hall there in Harryville, and we met each other at Ranelstown Youth Rally, and also um, at the Northfield Bible Weeks. And anybody ever looking for a, uh, who's a Christian, and if you're looking for a husband or a wife, a meeting's always a good place to go to, because everybody's always there, and you know why you're there, and that's where we met each other, because we went around these different meetings, and, and me and Emma met, and we went for coffee, as you do. You never go out now. You just drink a lot of coffee. Um, and we, we got to know each other a little bit, and she was studying in Leeds. And, you know, I just asked the Lord, you know, how is this going to work? And I just asked the Lord to show me, you know, what is the path here? And uh, a week after we had met, the Lord gave me these readings. And I think they're special, and if you don't mind, I'll just share them with you. And this is what it said, and this was, it was all about the book of Ruth, and of Boaz, and how the Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer. It said on the Monday, the beginning, the beginning of something special, then seeing things straight. On the Wednesday, a time for everything. On the Thursday, someone worth talking about. On the Friday, doing things right. On the Saturday, marrying the wife and raising the children. And on the Sunday, the God of providence and the providence of God. And I knew once I got those readings that week that I would marry her. But I didn't tell her that. Because she would have ran a mile. She would have ran a mile. But I knew that it was God's hand on it. Because like, it's so clear. And I just said to the Lord, this is a good thing that you've done for me. And eventually we were married on the 12th of May, uh, 2015. And the Lord has blessed us with two sons. We are so happy because the Lord has given us these things. Ezra is called Ezra because his name means helper. And he's going to be a helper to me. Uh, and Austin, his middle name is Micah. Now, not the Micah from the, uh, from the Minor Prophets. It's Micah about the story of uh, David and Jonathan. And Jonathan uh, had a son called Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. Uh, and it mentions that Mephibosheth had a son. And his name was Micah. M-I-C-A. So Austin's middle name is Micah. Because they're going to be helpers to me. And I hope that they're going to be like my dad. Big and tall and strong. And when I get old and lazy, they can carry me everywhere. Uh, so hopefully that'll be the case. But the Lord has done many things for me. Uh, without him, I couldn't do any of these things. I stand behind the cross tonight because 
whenever I was younger, I didn't know how my life would pan out or what would happen. But what I learned early on was I had, to dele- I had to commit my way to the Lord. I had to commit my way to the Lord and ask him for help. You see, friend, life is short. You think your life is long, but it is short. It is so short. There's a, my wife's from North Antrim, as you know, and uh, you have to take her there every so often to get her topped up. Uh, just because she likes the air there. So we go to Port Rush a lot. And if you walk in Port Rush, there's these, a big wall with Bible verses on it. And it says this in one of the verses. It says, life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. And that is the gospel in a nutshell because life is short. Because it says in James 4 and 14, whereas you know, sorry, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. Your life is so short. You have a, a limited amount of time to make your choice for God. Are you living for God? Or are you going to reject Him? Because one thing is sure, death. Death will come to us all. Because it says in Ecclesiastes 3 and 2, a time to be born and a time to die. The old can die, but so can the young. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Because, you see, death is in the world because of what? Because of sin. Because of what happened in the garden. And it says in the garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and how they ate of the forbidden fruit. It says in Hebrews 9 and 27, Wherefore as by one man sin sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, we are all sinners. We're all shaping in iniquity. We don't deserve God's mercy. (coughs) But God give us his son, Christ. And as we read in Hebrews 9 and 28, so Christ was once once offered to bear the sins of who? Of many. He can take your sin and he can take it away. You don't have to do anything. It's not of works. See, when Christ was on the cross, he said, it is finished. That means it was done. And he went to be with his Father in heaven. And that's where Jesus reigns. See, all these uh, other religions, as Mr. Dean was talking this morning, Buddha, Allah, they're all dead. Where's Jesus? He's alive. And you can be alive with Christ tonight if you take his offer of salvation maybe you say to me well you know I don't believe in God I don't believe in any of these things the Bible has an answer for you it says the fool has said in his heart there is no God that's a strong word you're a fool because there is a God in heaven I know it because I believe it because all my life all the things that happened would never have happened without God and his son you might say to me well I'm not that bad of a person. But it says, For all of sinning come short of the glory of God. Maybe he said, I can save myself through works. It says in Titus 3 and 5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's God's mercy that will save you tonight. All you have to do is ask him for salvation. And your life will be radically different. Your life will be fulfilled. You will have a peace in your life. Because you know where you're going. You're ready to meet the Lord. Do you have that peace tonight? Are you sure? Do you know him? Because tonight is the night. Because it says that we should take salvation at its earliest opportunity. I pray tonight that if you're not saved, that you will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight and you'll be saved. I pray that if you're backslidden, that you'll come back onto the Lord again. Maybe you used to come to this place 
Maybe you used to be involved here. Maybe you used to give your life to God. And maybe you've drifted away. But God will still welcome you back. He'll still revive you. He'll take off those shackles of sin that have maybe crept in in your life. And he'll remove them completely. And your life will be fulfilled. You will have a peace in your life. Now, it doesn't mean whenever you become a Christian or once you're restored that life is just easy and it's a bed of roses. I can testify to that as well. Life is difficult. Life is a challenge at times. But with the Lord Jesus Christ at your side, you have a great hope. You have a great assurance of your place in heaven. Thank you for listening. I'd like to thank Kyle for coming and bringing that word of testimony. And it is good to know that in the midst of the trials and difficulties of life, as Kyle has said, life's not always easy. Uh, very often it's, uh, it's not uh, very often easy indeed. But yet we thank God for the one who has come to be our Redeemer and our Saviour. And if you trust in him tonight, it's not just a matter of a decision or a matter of uh, taking on religious or religion or becoming religious. It's a matter of the new birth. It's a matter of being born again of the Spirit of God. And that means a radical <laughs> transformation, uh, new desires, new hopes, new joys, new destination. And what a wonderful thing to know that your sins are forgiven. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, then... Speak to some of us, and we'll uh, try to help you if we can. We'll not force you to do anything, because that wouldn't be real. That's not being born again. You have got to come of your own free will and cry unto God for mercy and for forgiveness. Uh, and you uh, can come tonight and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. We'll go, we're going to sing a hymn in closing. Is the hymn 339. It's, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget after I wandered in darkness away. Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart, shadows dispelling. With joy I'm telling, he made all the darkness depart. And we think of that wonderful day when Kyle, at the age of four, came and put his trust in the Lord as a Savior. Many people have come young in life. Indeed, most people come young in life and seek the Savior. But it was wonderful to hear of a man there just the other week. And he had been in meetings like this for years and years and years. And at the age of 80 more, he came and put his trust in the Lord as a Savior. And it's good that whether you're young or old, you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. The hymn 339, and we'll stand as we sing.
loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for that day when heaven came down and glory filled our souls. We thank thee for that day in many lives here when the Lord entered in. And our Father, we pray that thou wouldst bless thy word to every heart. We thank thee for saving Kyle. We thank thee for thy direction and guidance in his life. And we thank thee that our God is real. Our God is a blessed Savior. He's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Bless us now, we ask of thee. Take our thanks for the good things that have been provided. May we eat and drink to thy glory and be with us. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. You can be seated. I'll go to the door, and if you want to shake hands with me, you can. If you're still...